Welcome to the Chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 120 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter threads and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover Radio Show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Uh, later on, we've got the Edge of Philly Sports Fantasy Draft that I'll be hosting. And then tomorrow, I'll be hosting the Fox Sports The Gambler Fantasy Draft on, on radio tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So I've spent all day just doing fantasy tidbits. Like I've done all these re- all this research all year long um, and all offseason long to to kind of iron out my rankings and I feel good about, you know, certain takes that I have, but I needed more like just like little, little stats, little nuggets, little tidbits. So I- I'm chock full of them. Uh, if we get to a player, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to drop a couple fantasy nuggets for the, for the folks in the NFC East and North. All right. So this is a safe space because we're pre-recording this podcast. So if you are, oh, comments, I, we if you, if you are in the comments today, uh, uh, dropping comments as this is airing. No, we're not going to be throwing them on the screen, but we will see them afterwards. Uh, had a scheduling conflict because of these fantasy drafts, actually. So, Mark, give me your favorite fantasy sleeper for the people. Mm, favorite fantasy sleeper. You see, that's like a funny thing. It's like what I. It's it's so funny because every podcast I listen to and do about fantasy, it's like what constitutes a sleeper. What constitutes. Uh, a bust what like there's always like I, it's a sleeper hmm, okay i'm trying to think what what would i define as a sleeper i'll say i'll give you a deep sleeper i'll give you i'll, I'll give you roshan johnson I, I know you remember roshan johnson mm-hmm. from our from our draft days he's in chicago he's been getting some third down work um with justin fields now i like khalil herbert so uh, there is part of me that thinks Khalil Herbert could just run away with the job and they end up giving him third down work. But where Roshan Johnson's going in the 12th or 13th round, I think there will be a fantasy relevant running back for the Chicago Bears. We've talked about how much a running quarterback does for the running game outside of him. You look at guys like Lamar, you look at guys like Jalen Hurts, you look at guys... Um, obviously like RG three in his prime and many other mobile quarterbacks that have produced running back seasons with them that have been really productive. I think Justin Fields will very much help the running backs that he plays with. And I think he helped David Montgomery a lot last year. Um, if that's Khalil Herbert, I think it'll help Khalil Herbert, but I think there's a good chance Roshan Johnson could come in and, and wow some people. He didn't have a lot of tread on the tires in college as B. John Robinson's backup. Isn't he like six, four? But Roshan, he's got like insane measurables. He tested well in the combine. He was kind of every draft nerd's favorite running back. So, yeah, I, I, I've I been drafting Roshan Johnson a lot. All right. There you have it. And I do appreciate even – I didn't even make this a requirement, but you kept it on theme for this podcast because we are oh, previewing wow. – we are previewing the NFC North and the NFC East this week. So you even kept it uh, thematic here with the podcast. I, I love I've, it. I redeemed myself after a little inside baseball Shane, right before we went on air went, all right, we're pre-recording. And then I went on to start talking about how I have a fantasy draft on the, on the channel tonight. And then another (laughs) fantasy draft tomorrow, which will actually be tonight when you're listening. Yeah. I mean, I I redeemed myself, so I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, well, Mark, let's dive into it. Uh, we do have some fantasy drafts to get you to. So let's start off here with the NFC North. As we've done each week, we're going to preview these teams in the order they finished in their division last year. Uh, we'll give you their off-season recap, big questions for the year, their strength of schedule, we'll make some predictions, give you our take on their over-under win totals. So we're going to start this train rolling with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings went 13-4 and last season before losing 31-24 to to the New York Giants in the wild card round. Uh, this offseason, their big losses, uh, defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, they lost cornerback Patrick Peterson, who had a bit of a career resurgence last year. Uh, they lost linebacker Eric Kendricks. In free agency, they added edge rusher Marcus Davenport, cornerback Byron Murphy Jr., they added center Garrett Bradbury, and in the draft, their only significant draft pick was Jordan Addison, a wide receiver in the first round. So, big questions for the Vikings. The first one is, can they avoid the natural regression that comes when you win so many close games? 11 of their 13 wins last year were by one score, uh, which is the most of all time. Some people would call that clutch. I would call that lucky. Uh, they are the only team in NFL history with 12-plus wins and a negative point differential at negative three. The next closest was the 2016 Raiders, who were at plus 31 that season. So huge gap. So that's the first question. The second question I have is, can Brian Flores, a coordinator who I like a lot, turn around this defense? They ranked bottom five in scoring defense, total defense, passing defense, and yards per play allowed last year. So a lot of work to do defensively. Uh, as for strength of schedule, they have the 25th easiest strength of schedule, according to Vegas over-under win totals. So they've got a pretty difficult schedule. Uh, their over-under win total is eight and a half. Mark, how do you feel about that win total for the Vikings? I have them winning the division again. I'm going over on the win total. Um, I have them winning 10 games. Um, I think they're going to be a better team than they were last year. I think Brian Flores will improve the defense. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, last year they were one of the worst defenses in football. And no one, do, we don't think their offense was fake last year, right? No, no. Their offense is good. I mean, they have a good offense. And in my opinion, it should probably get better. And, and speaking speaking of those fantasy tidbits that, that I mentioned, Jordan Addison is someone that I want to just touch on real quick because Jordan Addison is someone who's filling in for a guy who – left leaves a lot on the table for for Addison to fill in for Adam Thielen ran I, I believe it's I'm pulling it up as we speak right here but Adam Thielen just ran the eighth most routes in a season since 2011 to give the idea of how many routes Adam Thielen ran last year like a historic amount of routes he did nothing with them everyone else in that top eight that ran those amount of routes finished as a top 10 fantasy receiver that year besides Adam Thielen last year. So that tells you Jordan Addison is stepping into a role that there is a lot of targets for. And in my, and in my opinion, Jordan Addison, I, I lost you there for a second, but in my opinion, Jordan Addison is going to be a much better player than Adam Thielen was. So I think that the Minnesota Vikings are going to have be much improved, even on offense where they were really good last year. So I think they're going to be a better team than they were last, last year, even if that means they lose two less games. 
they're not going to be as lucky as they were last year. They're not going to win as many close games as they did last year. But I do think they can be better even if they win nine, ten games. Yeah, I think that I think they will be a better team this year. I think they're going to win less games this year, kind of like mm-hmm. you said. I don't have them winning the division. Uh, I actually have them finishing second in the division. And I have them like like nine wins, maybe ten. I wouldn't bet that over, although I do technically have them over that eight and a half uh, win total. Yeah, same. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's not on my list that I'll be, you know, blogging out, and it's not. It's not one that I'll bet. But if I'm picking every over under like we are in this exercise, I'm taking over and I'm taking them to win the division at nine or ten wins. All right. And re- actually, and one more thing that I wanted to say because we brushed over it. Did we even mention Kevin O'Connell's name? Did we say his name in that whole spiel? We did not. No. He was the first year coach last year. He went 12 and five. Nobody cared. <laughs> no one's given the guy any credit. 13 and, and I, four. 13, 13 and four. four. You're right. You're right. You're exactly right. And while we can go on and on and on about how the Vikings were not a real 13 and four team last year, and we can go on and on about how they were fake. And even Aaron Schatz was sending out tweets joking about that, that DBOA tweet I sent you. Um, they made some adjustments to DVOA and he made a joke about somehow the 2022 Vikings finished even lower, which I didn't think was possible <laughs> in this new formula of DVOA. So yeah, they defied all the odds, but that doesn't mean Kevin O'Connell's fake. I, in fact, if anything, I think it means Kevin O'Connell might be better than we're even giving him credit for the fact that they went 13 and four, won that many close games got lucky that many times, you know, narrowed the margins, escaped the margins that many times, like scored that many points when he's an offensive coach. I am planting a flag and I've kind of been doing it all off season. I think Kevin O'Connell might be a genius. I think he might be a really good coach. I liked everything I heard from him last year. I think he fixed a lot of that locker room problems that Mike Zimmer and his kind of old way of, of coaching kind of caused. And I think he was a breath of fresh air there. Now, the, the counter argument to that is it's the obvious year two regression for the first year coach who comes in, brings the new environment and then has the obvious regression. But I, I think he might just be a really good coach. And the, the reason I'm not buying into the regression is because Justin Jefferson, I think gives you nine wins. I think he might just be year above 500. If you have Justin Jefferson. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the team that finished second in the division. They ended the year on a, Tremendous hot streak. It's the Detroit Lions who finished nine and eight. They won eight of their final 10 games. Uh, so they ended on a hot streak. Uh, this offseason, they lost DJ Shark, Jamal Williams, and DeAndre Swift. Uh, they added Cameron Sutton, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, David Montgomery, Emmanuel Mosley. And then in the draft, uh, got Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch. So a lot of new talent uh, around the Lions team. So Big questions for the Lions. I think it starts with the offense. Can the offense sustain such a high level of play under Jared Goff? In the final nine games of the season when they were so hot, Goff threw 15 touchdowns versus zero interceptions. He set a franchise record, 324 consecutive passes without an interception. That's just insane. And that's not what you would normally expect from Jared Goff. He had an especially good connection with Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, So can he continue to play at that level into this season? And I think that's a big question mark. 
I'm, that's look, why I, I'm surprised to hear you pick them. Yeah, well, did I? Oh, okay. Okay, I thought you said you did. Okay. And, and then the other one is, can the defense take a step forward? Uh, their defense was awful last year. And they addressed the secondary heavily this offseason. Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, Brian Branch, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So they made a lot of splashes there. Uh, but is it gonna make is it gonna pay off? I guess. So their strength of schedule, they have the eleventh easiest schedule. Their over under is set at nine and a half wins. Mark, how do you feel about that for the Lions? I wouldn't bet that with a with someone else's money, let, let alone my own. I, I think that, that is right on the money, nine and a half for the Lions. I think that's a perfect over under. I have them at nine and eight. You could easily sell me on them at ten and seven. Um, I have them at nine and eight and the Vikings at 10 and seven, the Vikings narrowly edging them out. Um, the concern with the lions is that I hated every move they made this off season. Mm-hmm. Besides, besides signing Chauncey Gardner Johnson, that was a good move for sure. But drafting, a, you know, a rotational running back at 12 and then drafting a day two pick in Jack Campbell. Where did they take Jack Campbell? Is that, that was the first? Yeah. 18. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like 25. I, I got, I got that. I thought they might've at least traded down for him, but no, they, they took him at 18. Um, yeah, that was, that was a rough draft from Detroit. And I like the branch pick, but I don't even think that there's been glowing reports on him from uh training camp in, in terms of branch. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm seeing, I, I thought I saw something about how he's not going to play right away. Um, and, and the interesting thing about the lions is if you would have flagged two things as like, the clear needs and like the clear obvious things that they were going to go do. They needed a second legitimate pass catcher for Amon Ross St. Brown. And they needed a second legitimate pass rushing option opposite uh, Aiden Hutchinson, or even if it's not an edge rusher, if someone on the inside, like Jalen Carter in, in that case, since, you know, they did have the sixth pick, they could have taken Jalen Carter instead of trading down for a running back. Um, I, I just think that there's a lot of moves that they left on the table to improve this team. And the most glaring one, I think, is that secondary playmaker. And you can forgive them a little bit because of the Jamison Williams suspension where they were relying on Jamison Williams. But I think he got suspended before the draft and they probably could have corrected course on that. Uh, but it's is it, it's six games for him, right? Yeah, and with Williams at this point, he missed a full year, basically. He played a couple games at the end of the year last year after missing a training camp, missing most of the season. Um, and, and then he he comes back, he gets suspended, and then even in the preseason, they were playing him in the preseason and he got hurt. So he didn't he couldn't even get a full, you know, training camp and preseason in. Now he's rehabbing again. Like I think Jamison Williams is incredibly talented believe we both had him as wide receiver one in that class if i'm not mistaken i didn't know oh okay i had, okay. I had Traylon burks was my wide receiver oh uh, okay yeah yeah um but i definitely had williams as my wide receiver one i still believe in the upside i guess but you start to wonder if the guy has just kind of been you know the runway is just not there for him like he didn't have any room to grow and learn as an NFL receiver. Like he's just going to get thrown into the fire and the lions are going to be really reliant on him right away in week seven to be wide receiver two and someone that can take attention away from a Monra. I think there's a chance we start to see defenses adjust to Jared Goff. We start to see defenses 
adjust to the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown's the only pass catching threat in the offense. Um, but the one thing I will say is they luckily kept Ben Johnson, who appears mm-hmm. to be one of the best coordinators in, in the football. Um, so I'm sure he'll be able to counteract whatever adjustments defenses make. Uh, I do have some doubts that they'll be quite as elite as they were last year. And I still seem to have a lot of the same questions about their defense that I had last season. So I have them at nine and eight. In my opinion, I have them as the best team in the NFL that's going to miss the playoffs. Okay. Or the Uh, NFC. I'm sorry. I didn't mean NFL, NFC. Yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be some good teams in the AFC that miss the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, That's why I wanted to correct myself. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. I hated their draft, uh, which I've enumerated on this podcast. However, I will say, like, short term, Jameer Gibbs is going to be good for this offense. It's not a good use of a first-round pick, but I think he's going to be good for the off. Jack Campbell is a bad first-round pick, but I do think he's going to make an impact in the middle of the defense. Now, what is an off-ball linebacker worth? Not a first-round pick, but like I don't think – I think those players still make the team better. It, it was just such a wasted opportunity. With Gibbs, my question is – I agree because I like Gibbs, and he's a guy that I'm targeting in fantasy drafts in the third round, but – I'm not a David Montgomery guy, and I know you're not either. Mm -hmm. I know this is not a big David Montgomery podcast. Go look at the production Detroit got from Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift at the running back position last year, and and try to tell me that Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery are going to do the same thing because I don't – you would need Jameer Gibbs to be really good right away, which is possible. Rookie running backs can be very good, but I think – he can be good and they can still be worse at the running back position. That's how good Jamal Williams and Swift were last year. Yeah. Yeah. So for the lions, when I initially weeks ago went through and picked all the games, I had them finishing first in the division. I, I've, I've changed my mind. I, I've had some last second changes of heart here. So I've actually got them second in the division. I know I said that I had the Vikings second. I just forgot to change that in my notes. So I got the Vikings finishing third. I've got the Lions finishing second. I, I uh, should have known. I would not touch the over under nine and a half. I mean, I guess I would like, I think they feel like a nine win team. Uh, so I guess technically I would take the under, but I wouldn't love it. Cause that's just closer than I want to play the margins there. But uh, we come to the next team here. Uh, it is the Green Bay Packers, who last season finished 8-9. and nine. Uh, They had a chance to win and get in, and the Lions knocked them out of playoff contention, uh, which the Lions were really excited about. Uh, this offseason, they lost Alan Lazard, Adrian Amos, uh, Jaron Reed, Dean Lowry, Randall Cobb, Robert Tunyon, and of course they lost Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they added Lucas Van Ness, uh, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Jaden Reed through the draft. They did the Packers thing, and they don't even touch free agency. Um, <laughs> the question for this is how good how good's Jordan Love going to be in his first yeah. meaningful action? Like he's looked good in spots uh, in regular season relief duty sort of thing. He's looked good in the preseason. Uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers each played 15 years in Green Bay, and Love doesn't have to follow suit. Can you imagine, though, if they get a 15-year starter out of love, too? That'd be, like, one of the most blessed franchises in NFL history. But the thing is, Aaron Rodgers wasn't good last year. He he wasn't. He he 
was a bad quarterback. He was below average. Now, you can take into account the fact that he was throwing to rookies and Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. You can take into account that he had a broken thumb, all of those things. I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers won't be good for the Jets this year. I'm simply saying he wasn't good last year, and Mm. the Packers were a game away from the playoffs. Like, If Jordan Love is an average starter, if he's the 15th, 14th best quarterback in the NFL, the Packers can contend for this division, and they could win it. And then the other question is, can Joe Barry finally get the defense on track? Now, I thought they should have fired Joe Barry. The defense has eight first-round picks, three all-pros, and yet they are just perpetually an average defense. So you're either drafting terribly or your DC is a joke, and I think it's the latter. Just go watch uh, week one when they had linebackers lining up on Justin Jefferson, and Justin Jefferson had like 200 yards in week one or whatever. So they got to get that fixed. They've got the 14th easiest strength of schedule, so it's about NFL average. Their over-under win total is at 7.5. Mark, where are you at on the Packers? Are you picking the Packers to win the division? Maybe. I, I I don't hate the take, but I, I'm not in on the take. I, I have the Packers going 6-11. and 11, Okay. Um, but I understand the reasoning. Um, I, I think there's a chance this is just one of those years where a lot of the spots get old fast. Um, you know, we could see some regression from Aaron Jones. Um, a lot of spots on the O-line really, really aging. David Bakhtiari, you can't really – rely on him whatsoever it's a lot of spots on defense at this point aging a little bit uh, i i just the roster's not bad mm-hmm. i don't know what to expect from jordan love at all um I, I he didn't i wasn't that high on him coming out of college uh he played one really bad game as a starter and then one pretty good game as a starter in, in his two time i think he had two starts if i'm not mistaken there could have been a third but uh, i'm pretty sure it was two um and yeah we're gonna find out what matt lafleur is as a coach that that's really more than anything the headline on this packers season the packers to me have one of the widest ranges of outcomes in the nfl this year like i I could see a four and 13 year if it just bottoms out a lot of guys get old or early jordan love stinks um, you know, Matt LaFleur maybe wasn't all that good of a coach all along. I could definitely see the Packers bottoming out. But like you said, if Jordan Love plays above average quarterback for them, that's a huge improvement on how Aaron Rodgers played last year. He was league average at best. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't think you can rely on that from Love at this point. So I'm I'm towards the lower end of outcomes, but I do think, the floor is four wins. The ceiling is probably like 10 wins. Um, so I, I'm right. I'm right close to the middle at six. You could inch me to seven though. All right. Yeah. So I, I, I do have the Packers winning the division. I'm going to put some faith in Jordan love at this point. Wow. Um, so I've got them over seven and a half and this is a, this is a switch. I did not have them. Uh, like I said, several before we started this series. So I guess a month ago, four weeks ago, when I started mapping this out, I did not have them winning the division. Uh, I, I've started to come around on Jordan Love as I've looked at a little bit of Jordan Love. I've kind of looked into Aaron Rodgers and how he played more last year. So I think the Packers do it. I think they take a leap this year. Wouldn't it be now setting aside my analyst hat now? 
wouldn't it just be hilarious if the Packers make the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers and the Jets miss the playoffs? Like, <laughs> yeah, that would be would. objectively a hilarious outcome to this whole thing. Well, Shane, it's just not realistic that a Super Bowl winning quarterback could get traded for picks and then the team that traded him could have an incumbent backup quarterback go to the playoffs while the team that traded the I, I lost myself, but Russell Wilson Geno Smith was, was what I was doing. I was doing the Russell Wilson Geno Smith comparison. It's not a it's not really a fair comparison, but I had fun with it. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears. I think this is the team that you thought I was about to pick to win the division. Yeah, I figured, yeah. And, I, th- uh, I think it's a better pick than Green Bay. How about that? Ooh, all right. Well, last season they went three and fourteen. Uh, this offseason lost David Montgomery and Nicholas Morrow. Uh, they added Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. They added Rasheem Green, Deontay Foreman, Robert Tunyon, and DJ Moore. Obviously, with that trade down from number one overall in the draft, they added Darnell Wright, Gervin Dexter, Tyreek Stevenson, and later round pick. But I love Tyler Scott, uh, receiver out of Cincinnati. You do. They got so. Big question, and not just because he liked my tweet about him, but Roshan uh, Johnson, who I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the big question is, can Justin Fields take a step as a passer? He hasn't had anything to work with at offensive line or at wide receiver in his two years as a pro. But suddenly, the offensive line looks solid. And the wide receiver group of DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, it looks solid. Now, neither of those are great. They're, I would argue both of those units are around league average in terms of what you're working with and maybe even still slightly below, but it's so much better than anything that he's had uh, since his days at Ohio state. He's had better weapons at Ohio state than he's had in the NFL. And so can he take that step? And then how much can the defense improve? They were last in scoring defense, last in yards per uh, attempt allowed. They were last in sacks, last in pressure rate last year. Now they upgraded linebacker pretty significantly. I think with Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, they didn't really upgrade their pass rate. This is who it was that I was telling you. I forgot. They got Yannick and right? Yeah. Yeah. That's who I forgot. So they did get Yannick and but he's on like his fifth team in five years. So I take like that for him. what it's worth. I still think he's decent, but it's not like this slam dunk. They really address the trenches uh, for their pass rush. Now they have the sixth easiest strength of schedule. They're over under win totals at seven and a half. How's their season going to go, Mark? This is another one that I wouldn't bet with someone else's money. I wouldn't want to bet anything in this division. I think it is all jumbled together. I have them at eight and nine. So I have them slightly over that seven and a half number. They're another team that, man, if you just made that draft a little bit better for me, if you did something a little bit more interesting than that number one pick, here's something I'm concerned about. There was a lot of word out of camp that people were shocked at how good DJ Moore was and they hadn't seen a receiver like DJ Moore in years and all that stuff. First of all, I'd say that's concerning because he's not a top 15 receiver in football. And, and second of all, I'd say it's concerning if the buzz around training camp is that DJ Moore is by far the best player in training camp. It's concerning that DJ Moore, that people are saying he's the best player on the team. And if he's not the best player on the team, who is the best player on the team? Yeah. I mean, I would say there's a little bit of trying to pump up the guy you just traded for, the new shiny object there. Yeah, but, yeah. But who is? You got to hope it's Justin Fields for that offense's sake. Who's the best player on the defense? On the defense? Jaquan um, Brisker? 
yeah, and he's it wasn't that great. There's not a lot on the defense, <laughs> yeah. which is sad because they entirely eschewed helping Justin Fields last year in the draft to draft defensive players that largely weren't good. Yeah, I just I, I just don't think they're quite good enough outside of Fields. I think we're going to see a massive leap from Fields, like mm-hmm. an MVP Lamar leap from Fields. And, you know, I, I always reference this. this is the third time I've referenced this, but, you know, new listeners, you know, fly in. So why not? Justin Fields at Ohio State. Um, in 2019, he had 3,273 passing yards, 41 touchdowns, three picks, um, 11.2 air yards per attempt, 9.2 yards per attempt, 181 passer rating. And that was as a sophomore. Junior year, he jumped from 67% completion to 70% completion. He had 2,100 yards in eight games, 22 touchdowns, and six picks. I, I mean, this guy was an excellent passer in college. Like, coming out, we considered him as like a, a really good thrower. Like we weren't talking about him as some project as a thrower when we were evaluating him as a draft prospect. So to me, I think you can just clearly say that I think that the systems that he's been in have made him look a lot worse than he is. And the players that have been around him have made him look a lot worse than he is at throwing the ball. And I think he's going to be markedly improved in the passing department. And I think he's going to be similarly an electric factory on in the you know in the ground yeah i think you see him take a leap this year i said in his draft coming out that he would that justin fields was my qb2 and i said he was closer to trevor lawrence at qb1 than anybody else in that class was to fields now that turned out to be absolutely true as trey lance is traded for a fourth round pick and zach wilson should be bagging groceries somewhere and mac jones is mac jones but I want to see him as that closer to Trevor Lawrence into the spectrum that I talked about. And I don't think he's ever had the opportunity. I think you see a big leap this year. I still think they finish last in the division. If you told me to pick, I would say they're going to win seven to eight games, Mm -hmm. which means that over under at seven and a half is perfectly placed. And I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. I, by the way, this is a podcast that we both had fields at QB two in that class you probably remember me as a field hater because we yelled at each other about the eagles taking fields because i believed in Jalen. by god hurts at the time um but uh yeah I, I was a fields believer for sure coming out of college you were more of a fields believer you were more ardent than i was um mm. but i was definitely a believer i had him and lance basically tied um i, I did like the idea of trey lance um, but I did have fields slightly ahead. Yeah. All right. Let's turn the page now to the NFC East, where we will start with the reigning division champion, Philadelphia Eagles, who went 14 and three last season before losing 38 to 35 to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. This offseason, they lost Javon Hargrave, Miles Sanders, TJ Edwards, Isaac Sayamalo, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Marcus Epps, and Kazir White. They added, through free agency, Rashad Penny, Nicholas Morrow, Justin Evans, Marcus Mariota, and Terrell Edmonds. Then in the draft, they double-dipped in the trenches with Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, uh, drafted Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo, and preseason sensation Tanner McKee. Big questions for the Eagles. Dives his guy. <laughs> Dives his guy. Will Tanner the McKee. turnover at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator impact the Eagles. You got a different play caller on both sides of the ball. Uh, we'll see how much that matters as you shift play callers there. And then the other thing is, 
can they stay as healthy as they did a year ago? They were remarkably healthy. They didn't have major injuries really anywhere. They lost Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for a short period of time. I tried to pull up the adjusted games loss metric because I'm pretty sure they ranked first. Well, they ranked 32nd, which means they had the least games lost due to injury. Uh, But unfortunately, football outsiders, may it rest in peace, no longer exist. So I couldn't find adjusted games lost. But I think I remember that they were 31st or 32nd. So can they stay as healthy? Uh, strength of schedule. They have the 13th easiest schedule. Their over under is at 11 and a half. Mark, where are you at on the Eagles this season? Over. And I, I just want to take this time to, uh, there's been a lot of, I've heard this from the people that work at my radio station, Fox sports, the gambler, um, specifically the people on the show before me on Saturdays. Um, it was just called sports here, there and everywhere. Um, Dick Girardi and Mike Kern are two longtime Philly sports reporters who've been writing in the newspapers for 40 years. And they're uh, with one of my buddies at the station and they do the show before me. And the one guy, every single week that they talk about the Eagles, they go, oh, well, teams just don't go to the Super Bowl and then go back. And if you look at this, this team didn't do it or this team didn't do it. So that means this team obviously won't do it. Let me just say this quite clearly. Whatever happened to the 1985 Patriots and whether or not they made it back in 1986 has absolutely no bearing on what's going to happen to the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles. Like when I'm talking about whether a team is going to go to the Super Bowl or not, I'm going to talk about the players on the team, the teams they're contending with, the quarterbacks in the conference, the other notable head coaches in the conference, and why I believe in this offense or defense or why I believe in this team or why I don't believe in this team. I'm not going to go, well, in 1998, I really felt like they were could get back to the Super Bowl, and then they didn't, so I'm never going to pick a team to get back to the Super Bowl again. It's stupid. It's a stupid way to an- analyze sports. I saw – I'm not even going to – dignify the name of the radio host that said it but he said that he would take the Phillies at 20 to 1 over the Eagles at 8 to 1 um it's a better bet because no team in the NFC has gotten back to the Super Bowl after losing since the 70s which by the way is like the most cherry-picked stat of all time because there have been teams from the AFC that have got back to the Super Bowl. So they I mean, didn't the Chiefs use that. have been in the Super Bowl three of the last four years. Yeah. And the year they weren't, they were in the AFC title game. And the NFC yeah. is a weaker conference. That that's the point. And, and that's the point. And, and I and it's like it's just stupid. It's a cherry pick stat because you're saying the teams that have lost in the NFC. So you're like shrinking the sample size by two each time that you do that. But it's just it's a stupid way to analyze sports. Um, and I know you're not a Phillies fan, so I'm not going to make this a baseball point, but just comparing Phillies 20 to one and Eagles eight to one and why that is the way that it is and why Vegas is good at what they do. The Phillies are in a league with the Atlanta Braves who are on pace to win like 105 games and be the best team in baseball. And the Los Angeles Dodgers who are on pace to be the second best team in baseball. They look like probably the two best teams in the whole sport. And they happen to be in the league that the Phillies are in. Who are the teams in the Eagle? Who are the teams in the NFC? I'm supposed to be afraid of. Uh, like, is it Brock Purdy? Is it you know 
Dak the Prescott second best, is second best team in the NFC is also in the NFC East. I I don't agree, but I understand why a lot of people say that. I I I don't think that there is that team you could say that they that you could be afraid of. I've said I think it's Seattle and San Fran as the second and third best teams in the conference. Um, I'm not quite as high on a team with a star on their on their helmet as a lot of other people are. Um, and we've discussed why, but I just, it, it drives me crazy. It drives me up a wall that the way that we're analyzing this Eagle season, whether they can get back or not is based on what other teams that have lost in the Super Bowl have done in the past. I think it's stupid. And I'd like to talk about things that are relevant to this season. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I've got the Eagles finishing first in the division narrowly edging out the Cowboys. I have it being a tie that the Eagles won the tiebreaker when I did wow. the simulation. So, but I do have them as over at the 11 and a half. Uh, no, 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 that's sorry. I take it back. I had them beating the Cowboys by one game. I had them beating okay. them by one game. So I got them over 11 and a half first in the division. So, so I have them 13 and four. I have them winning the division. Do you have them getting home field advantage in the NFC? Yes. Yeah. I do not. I had them losing to Seattle because it was in Seattle. Um, so I have Seattle getting that spot as home field advantage, the number one seed um, with a 13 and four record tied with the Eagles, but they get the tiebreaker. All right. So there you go. The Eagle, I mean, the Eagles just can't win in Seattle ever. So yeah, that would be yeah. really unfortunate if it had to it go would through be. Seattle. <laughs> it would be. Okay, rolling on to the Dallas Cowboys, who last season went 12-5. and five. Uh, They lost 19-12 to 12 to San Francisco in the divisional round of the playoffs. In the offseason, they lost Connor McGovern, Dalton Schultz, and Noah Brown. Uh, they added Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore, and then in the draft added Mozzie Smith and Luke Schoonmaker. My big question here is, what is the backup plan at offensive line? Like the Cowboys starting offensive line looks really good. Tyron Smith has only played in 15 of 34 games in the last two years. Terrence Steele is coming off of an ACL injury. That's question marks at both offensive tackle positions. And then does Tyler Smith move to offensive tackle if either can't play? If he does, who plays guard? It's a house of cards with the with the Cowboys offensive line. And then beyond that, how's the Cowboys offensive line going to fare post Kellen Moore? I, I think Mike McCarthy is sort of a buffoon. Um, I think he is a good reason why Aaron Rodgers doesn't have more rings, uh, if I'm being honest. Although Aaron Rodgers' postseason uh, woes also. <laughs> it's kind of – maybe they're both at fault there, but I don't think he's a very good coach. He's I thought you were going to about... say – I thought you were going to say Aaron Rodgers is the reason Aaron Rodgers doesn't have more rings. Yeah, well, that's very true, too. Like, they, they both played a role, we'll just say. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's talked about wanting to run the ball. Nothing they've done this offseason indicates that's their plan, going and getting Brandon Cooks. Like, it, it doesn't. that doesn't spell, like, run. they let Ezekiel Elliott go, which was the right move. But none of this says, like, we're actually going to run the ball more. So I feel like he's that might not be accurate. But. Here's they have the 18th easiest strength of schedule. Their over/under is at nine and a half. How do you feel about the Cowboys this year? Um, so it's nine and a half. So I've I've actually saw ten and a half um, at, at a bunch of places. So um, it might it might have moved down a little bit. Um, I so my take on the Cowboys 
Um, and it kind of gives away my take on the next team we'll talk about. So it's not a great take to have. Um, but I feel like people are trying to make like Eagles or Cowboys. Who's the best team in the division and who's going to win the division? Who's good. Who's going to go to the Super Bowl? And they're trying to make Eagles Cowboys a thing. In my opinion, the Cowboys, if the Eagles are here and the Giants are here, the Cowboys are much closer to here than up to where the Eagles are at. That's bad for that's bad for the audio listeners. Watch us on YouTube. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just think that the, the Cowboys are a lot closer to the Giants than they are the Eagles. And in my opinion, I keep kind of talking myself into the Giants a little bit, which is weird for me because of how much I hate the Giants. But I think the Giants and Cowboys are dead even. I, I really do think they're dead even. I think they're both going to go 10 and 7, and I have them as the 6 and 7 seeds in the NFC for me. Um, so the Cowboys, what I said about we, – we talked – you said my, my the favorite thing that you've ever uh, had me do on this podcast was talk about the Jets and talk about the Titanic – and say that I'm out on the front of the Titanic and I see the iceberg and it's a history of being a failure of a franchise that is the Jets. With the Cowboys, it's the same issue. I can see the iceberg and the iceberg is Mike McCarthy. Is Mike McCarthy. And he's just as big as that iceberg that they hit that night, uh, that fateful night. That wasn't nice. I'll, I'll take that back. Um, but and, and you hope you hope that the captain's going to steer you away from the iceberg, and then you see the captain is Brian Schottenheimer. You see, the captain is also Mike McCarthy <laughs> because that's what's going on. Like he replaced Kellen Moore with himself, and I know we could say it's Brian Schottenheimer, but it, it's it's Mike McCarthy. It's the Mike McCarthy show, and, and I think Kellen Moore is one of the better play callers in the sport. Um, and, and I think Mike McCarthy has shown himself to be one of the worst, and, and I think we saw that. Uh, when he took it, he took play calling duties on a little bit. I think in 2020, the year things went really bad after Dak got hurt um, and things went really poorly. Uh, and he did it plenty of times in Green Bay. Things went poorly. I I, I think there's a good chance Dallas takes a, has an, a, like a disaster season. Nobody is more uh, prone to having out of nowhere disaster seasons than the Dallas Cowboys. All right. So I, I am quite far. By the way, when you were doing the thing, I with do your have hands, them in the playoffs, though. But when we were doing the thing with your hands, do I need to like do a voiceover closed captioning thing for the people that are just watching? Mark raised one hand far above his head for put another hand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the Cowboys over nine and a half. I've got them finishing second in the division. I think the Cowboys defense is going to be elite this year. Um, I think I think there's a chance the Cowboys have the best defense in the NFL this season. That's fair. and I mean. The, the upgrade, you got Michael Gallup another year removed from injury. You went out and got Brandon Cooks. Like, the loss of Kellen Moore is big. I, I hope the weapons – well, I don't hope so, but I think the weapons so, will sort of help offset that. It, it, but Mike McCarthy, like, he's the big question mark. If they kept Kellen Moore, I might have this team picked to win the division. I, I can't do when – it, when it's when it's as close as I think it could be, I just look at Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott. Yeah. And I have a lot more faith in the Eagles. So I've got him finishing second in the division. Who else is in the conversation for could have the best defense this year? That's a fun Ooh. conversation. I think Dallas obviously is. 
can Baltimore enter the conversation? Um, maybe. I feel pretty good about Baltimore's defense. I feel like they're really solid at every spot. Obviously, you have Roquan. You have uh, Marlon Humphrey, one of the best corners in football. Roquan's one of the best linebackers in football. Kyle Hamilton was the best safety in, in football last year. Who did they just add on the D-line, the Ravens? Didn't they just add someone like this week or last week? Was it Clowney? Yes, I think yeah, so. Was not that was the, I think it was the Ravens. I'm not the biggest clowny guy, but if it was clowny that they added, he's at least like a really good run stopper. Um, I, I think the Ravens defense is going to be really, really good. And also think, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Patriots. Cause just cause they're always good. 49ers yeah. are probably up there. Jets Hargrave, are probably yeah. up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably fair. We probably named all the teams. <laughs> <laughs> Philly could, I mean, the Eagles, they the could Eagles theoretically yeah. could like, yeah, there, there's, there's too many question marks right now at linebacker and at safety and yeah. having a new DC for me to like, say, I think they're like to plant a flag and say, they're going to be a top three defense. If you say top five, top seven, I think you can say they're in there pretty comfortably, but I, yeah. I do think Carolina is going to be like in the, in the conversation for top five. I'm, I'm buying yeah. in if they stay healthy, JC Horn can't stay healthy, but if he stays healthy and if Brian Burns stays healthy and a couple of the other guys, uh, I think they're going to be right in that combo. I'm, I, I, I'm planting my flag that Ajiro Evero will be a head coach next year. All right. Well, let's move on to the New York Giants, who finished third in the division last year uh, with a record of nine, seven, and one. Uh, they obviously made it into the playoffs. They lost to the Eagles in a blowout. I think it was thirty-eight to seven. I forgot to write that score down, but. This offseason, they lost Julian Love and Nick Gates. They added Darren Waller, Bobby Okereke, and Paris Campbell. And then in the draft, they added Deontay Banks, John Michael Schmitz, and Jalen Hyatt. I feel they got a they got a my guy from each of you, me, you, and Dives. I loved Deontay Banks. Dives was all over John Michael Schmitz. You were all over Jalen Hyatt. So we should have loved the Giants draft, at which we did. So big question mark for the Giants. Can Evan Neal take a step forward? Uh, three years ago, rookie top 10 pick at offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, was horrific. Now he's considered a top offensive tackle. Evan Neal started his career in the same way. They need him to take a leap. They need him to be the player that they thought they were drafting when they took him uh, in the top seven. I think it was seventh overall uh, couple, or last season. The other thing is who plays outside wide receiver for the Giants? I feel like every receiver on their roster is a slot receiver. They don't really have any outside guys. They have the 19th easiest strength of schedule. Their over-under is set at seven and a half. Mark, how do you feel about the Giants this year? I'm in on the Giants. I'm, I'm in on the over seven and a half. And the biggest reason is I think Brian Dable's one of the best coaches in football. Um, I, I just don't see the Giants regressing by, what, did they win 11 games last year or was it 10? Uh, I think it was nine, nine, seven, and one. Oh, okay. Okay. 10. Okay. Wow. Nine, seven and one. I thought they were 10 and seven or 11 and six. That's funny. I think they're going to be a much better team this year. You might not see it in the record because they did have some luck in close wins, but I have them at 10 and seven. They added, uh, we loved their draft. I mean, you read it out there. We, we absolutely loved their draft. What they did there um, is it, really interesting. Um, let's play a fun game real quick with the giants called name that receiver. Okay. Name all the. We'll go back and forth naming all the receivers that we know on the Giants roster. You start. 
Okay, Jalen Hyatt. Sterling Shepard. Uh, Darius Slayton. Isaiah Hodgins. Paris Campbell. Wandale Robinson. That's, that's really it. Cole Beasley is the seventh. I'm sure they're going to cut Beasley, him or, yes. or practice squad him, but that's insane. Like they have six guys that are very much like ownable, realistic receivers. Like I don't love those guys. Like there's no number one there unless, unless my guy Jalen Hyatt breaks out or I don't even know if there's a number two necessarily. They have like six number three receivers. It's one of the weirder things I've ever seen. Um, they have like four slot receivers, <laughs> seven, um, and they have Darren Waller, uh, and Darren Waller got 40% of the targets in the preseason. So seems like Darren Waller is basically going to be wide receiver one there in kind of the same way that he was before Devonte got to Vegas. Um, but fun, this is another fun fantasy tidbit. And I can't believe I'm going to come on here and say positive things about Daniel Jones. It goes against everything I believe in. But Daniel Jones was the number nine QB in fantasy last year in the first year of a new system. And now he got Darren Waller. You can make an argument. Daniel Jones is in for like pretty good season. And I hate to say that. I don't know. But you could also make an argument that his entire career, Daniel Jones has been this turnover machine. And last season he averted that and they did it by throwing so short. I feel like teams are going to start to dial in on that. Maybe Jalen Hyatt lets you push the ball downfield. Maybe Darren Waller helps that. But I can't help but think, as I watched Daniel Jones last year, that the only reason he was no longer turning the ball over was that every throw was just underneath. And so I I mean, I I have the Giants finishing third in the division, over seven and a half wins, making the playoff. I think three teams make the playoffs from this division. I'm not predicting he's going to fall apart. I can see it though. I like I I still don't think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I think he's going to have to push the ball downfield a little more this year. I don't think they're going to continue to be able to do what they did last year, uh, or teams are going to start to dial in on that. Uh, so I think he's going to have to prove that he can play at the level he played last year while actually pushing the ball downfield a little bit. Oh, and I just want to say this real quick because I'm done. I don't have anything more on the Giants, but I forgot to clown the Cowboys when we were talking about the Cowboys. I mean, anytime you're getting offers to trade up for the 26th pick and you can stay there and take Mozzie Smith, who's not one of the 100 best players in the draft, that's just something you got to do if you're the Dallas Cowboys 10 times out of 10. Did you see that video that leaked? No, I don't guess so. Oh, you didn't. Well, I'll have to send it to you after this. It's a video that leaked of like the war room and I forget who it was. I think they actually said it might've been Kansas city. I can't remember who it was, but someone was trying to move up to 26 and it was either like someone at the back of the first round or the top of the second round that was trying to move up to 26. And Jerry was like, should, should we move up? Mike, Mike, what do you think? Should we, should we move up? I, I'd be sick if we don't get my, if we don't get this guy, if we don't get Mozzie. And he, they were like, no, no, we can't move. We have to get him. We have to stay right here. We can't pick up a third round pick. And it's like, how? <laughs> like that made somehow it made my least favorite pick of the draft. Maybe in that draft, even worse because they could have traded down and done it. Like it, it's just mind blowing that that's what they did with the twenty sixth pick. Yeah, I, I had I had Cowboys fans yelling at me on Twitter, and I was like. 
Hey, this is why I put out my stuff before the draft. He yep. was the 64th player on my big board, which was a lot higher than you had him at 104. <laughs> like I was by by between the two of us, I was a Mozzie Smith like advocate. I had him at 64th. Like I'm not just hating on the pick because it's the Cowboys. Like it was a bad pick, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've talked about this many times. I mean, like, do you take a defensive tackle who you have? zero hope can be a pass rusher in the first round is that something that's worth a pick and the jordan davis thing is different because we can sit around and argue about the traits and we can argue about well can he turn into a pass rusher and you say yes and i say no and that's the argument mozzie mm-hmm. smith no one's arguing mozzie smith's going to be a pass rusher right like he's right. not he's just not going to be a pass rusher doesn't have the traits he's a run stuffer that's all he is and i get wanting to put that next to Parsons, but not in the first round. Like it feels like you can find the Eagles struggled at stopping the run last year. When Jordan Davis got hurt, they went out and they signed two guys off the street and it was fine. It was fixed. Yeah. All right. Let's turn the page from the giants here. Uh, <laughs> Giants yeah. slash Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and let's talk about the team that finished last in the division. Yeah. It is the Washington Commanders, who went eight eight and one last year. They lost Taylor Heineke and Cole Holcomb. They added Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Wiley, and Cam Dantzler. In the draft, they added Emmanuel Forbes and Jatavis Martin. Big questions for this team: Can Sam Howell play well enough for the Commanders to contend for the division? Is Eric Bieniemy going to have a positive impact as he transitions over there to be their offensive coordinator? And then on the defensive side of the ball, can Chase Young stay healthy and can he make an impact? Can he be the player that everybody thought he was when he went number two overall? Uh, their strength of schedule, they have the 24th easiest schedule. Their over-under is at six and a half. Mark, where do you have the commanders ending up this season? You said they were eight, eight and one last year? Yeah. That feels like fake news to me. Like I almost just like can't even buy it. It feels like they had to have been like six and six, ten and one. No, I believe you. I think you're right. But it it just must have been like the least impressive 500 season of all time. Um, Josh Harris bought the Commanders, which mm-hmm. is like the biggest deal for Commanders fans. Um, and obviously, getting out from under Daniel Snyder, who seems like a monster, is a positive. Little do they know that as a Sixers fan, I can inform them that Josh Harris is a buffoon and a moron. Uh, So I don't think Washington is all of a sudden getting good ownership because I think the Sixers have had some of the worst ownership in basketball over the last couple of years. But that's just me getting a little hate off on Josh Harris. Um, Anyway, I think they go under Sam Howell and Ron Rivera. Is that the worst quarterback coach duo in the league? Not counting Arizona without Kyler. Hmm, probably I'd have to think through it, but probably. Yeah. Like the other bad teams like Stafford McVeigh is way better. Um, I think I like Jimmy G Josh McDaniels better. No, I, I retract that. I hate both of those. <laughs> I hate, I hate Jimmy G is the best. Jimmy G is the best of the four at his job. Of If we're saying Jimmy G Sam, Howe, Ron Rivera and Josh McDaniels, Jimmy G is by far the best of his job of those four. Can it, can I throw something out to you here? What? 
What do you think the Washington Commanders point differential in the last 15 years is? <laughs> uh, is it like it's got to be in the thousands, right? Not quite. Okay. It, I thought it was going to be 1100 would have been my guess. Negative eight. Negative 874. Yeah, I had 1100 in my head. I probably went a little too far. They have had a couple years in there, like the RG3 year. They went 8-8-1 eight, eight last year. They had the, the year. The, RG, the RG3 year is the only year they've had a point differential greater than positive 13 in the last oh 15 God. years. Oh. Negative 31. This is going from 2008 forwards. Negative 31, negative 70, negative 75, negative 79. 48 RG3 year. Negative 144, negative 137, 913. Negative 46, negative 78, negative 169, plus 6, negative 99, negative 92. Plus 9 and plus 13 was totally the Kirk Cousins era. Nothing says Kirk Cousins like a plus 9 point differential on your season. Yeah, yeah it is exactly it. Plus 9 <laughs> Kirk Cousins, plus 13 Kirk Cousins, yeah, yeah. minus 46 Kirk Cousins, and then yeah. he was gone. I could see that. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, man, the commanders. It's been a treat to have them in the division this long, huh? <laughs> so my fear, I, I've got this team. I think they're going to be pretty bad. I've got them at, I've got them under six and a half. Uh, I wouldn't, I've got them right about there, though. So it's not one I would really want to bet. Here's my fear. Eric Bieniemy, who has spent so long not getting head coaching jobs, he finally makes the lateral move <laughs> at offensive coordinator just to get out from under Andy Reid's shadow. My fear is that he joined a sinking ship. You've got yeah. a new ownership. You've got a lame duck head coach. Like my fear for Eric Bieniemy is that this season ends with Ron Rivera getting fired, Eric Bieniemy getting fired when he walked into the situation having Sam Howell to work with at quarterback. Yeah, I I feel bad for Eric Bieniemy. Um, my top two coaches that are going to get railroaded after the 2023 season is Arthur Smith for reasons we discussed last week. He's going to get fired without ever having to have a quarterback to work with. And now Eric B is going to get fired after this year as OC. And that's going to eliminate him as a head coach candidate for years to come. He should have just stayed in Kansas city. Eventually someone would have felt bad for him. I think. I don't know. He's been there a long time. I know. I know. Washington but might not have been the team to jump on board with. Ron Rivera is not the coach to jump on board with. Like yeah. he should have picked like, I'm trying to think like, who's like the, who, who are some of the best defensive coaches in football? Like head coaches, Vrabel. Uh, yeah. Vrabel. Uh, he Belichick. should have been the Ravens offensive coordinator. Yeah. That's a good take. Ravens would have been good. Patriots would have been good if Belichick would have given him like, yeah. So uh, Bel Belichick would never Belichick do doesn't hire people that didn't used to work for him. So that doesn't work. <laughs> That's fair. That's definitely fair. I'm trying to think of someone else. Like who else is even like a defensive coach? You know what he should have done? Nah, it doesn't make sense. Cause Chicago, Chicago wouldn't have fired their OC. Cause they actually were better down the stretch and, and like seemed to have found something, but he should have went to Chicago. It would have been Houston. fun. Go work with D'Amico. You get a rookie yeah. quarterback. You're going to have a long leash because it's a rookie quarterback and a new coach on a bad team. And if he's not bad, that, I mean, not that he had all these him. offers to choose from, but no, if we were playing could. matchmaker, he probably could have gotten the Houston OC job. I don't know if he knows D'Amico Ryan. I don't know. I don't know if the two have ever met. Yeah. I feel like he could. All right, we're now speculating on if he could. That's, that's probably <laughs> seven probably degrees of separation from D'Amico Ryan's. <laughs> 
That's probably a good sign to end the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. So uh, are you under on them as well? Yes. I had them at I had them at six and eleven. So I've got them just barely on the under. I wouldn't bet it, but yeah. I have them at four and thirteen, and a lot of that is just out of being high on the rest of the division. Um yeah. and them having a brutal schedule, in my opinion, at least I felt that like that when I went through it especially for like a last place team, you wouldn't expect them to have a hard schedule, but it felt like they did. So uh, I, I just think that, you know, there's years where things go all the way wrong. There's already been the weird quotes with Rivera kind of sniping at the enemy and the players not liking the enemy. Um, I, I just feel like this is one of those years where Rivera's fired in week eight and or week nine. And they're like two and seven. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that keeps me from like going lower and definitely betting the under is I'm afraid that Sam Howell is going to stink so bad early that they go to Jacoby Brissett. And I think Jacoby Brissett can salvage some wins for you. Now, granted, he was working with a lot better uh, option. Although Terry McLaurin, I mean, solid, really good player. So John Dotson. Yeah. So he's got some weapons there. If, and maybe Sam Howell will be fine. I'm not like anti Sam Howell, but uh, it's, I am. it's a major roll of the dice to make yeah, him you quarterback. You weren't high on Sam Howell in no, the I mean, draft, though. No, I'm not saying I was high on him, but yeah. I'm not like saying I'm sure that he stinks. We only saw him play one game, but I think we'd both be surprised if he was a good starting quarterback in the NFL. Sure, that's sure, fair to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'd be surprised. Say. I'd be surprised. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for this episode of Seven Degrees of Separation from D'Amico <laughs> Ryan's. I uh, like that. No, <laughs> Uh, Mark, before we get out of here, you got any final thoughts? Uh, anything you want to throw out there? No. Uh, happy fantasy draft season, folks. All right. Well, Mark's uh, Mark, you can Mark will know what his teams are by the time you guys listen to this <laughs> on Tuesday night as we record on Monday night. So you can tell him how awful his teams are. But thank you guys for joining us for episode 120 of Chalk Talk. If you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do. Be sure you smash that subscribe button and turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode. Drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you stream your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter threads and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. We will catch you guys next time.